Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the readings for this weekend, we learn of the power of touch, both divine and human. In the first reading from the Book of Wisdom, here we have God's powerful touch on display, the very moment of creation. The author of Wisdom says, God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in destruction of the living, for he fashioned all things that they might have been, and the creatures of the world are wholesome. For God formed man to be imperishable, the image of his own nature he made him. Essentially, the author of Wisdom right now is recalling the story of creation from Genesis, and particularly chapter 2, verse 7, in which God, he forms man out of clay and breathes into his nostrils. And it is that touch, that divine touch that God gives that clay that creates all of humanity, that brings us into life. Now, medical science has learned this, has learned that there is a powerful effect that a simple human touch can have on us, and particularly premature babies. I'll give you a great example of this. When I was studying in Chicago, I got to know a couple that was involved with touch therapy for preemies, for premature babies. Now, this couple was an ordinary couple. They had no medical background whatsoever. They worked daily jobs, everyday jobs. Well, when they got home from their work, they went to Children's Hospital in Chicago, and they made their way to the neonatal intensive care unit. Now, once they arrived there, the nurses would direct this couple to premature babies who did not have families. They did not have much social interaction. Now, there was, it was for a variety of reasons. Maybe the mother was in prison. Maybe the mother abandoned the child. Or maybe the child was taken out of some dysfunctional home. Regardless of the reason, there wasn't a family there to hold this child periodically, to touch the child. And so, the nurses would direct this couple to these children. And this couple would then engage in touch therapy. It first started with the couple holding the child. And then they began to touch the child. First gently stroking their face and the neck and the shoulders of the child. Then the arms and the hands. And then finally stroking and massaging the child's back and arms. Gently touching and massaging this child for a few hours. Then after a few hours, they would put the child down so that it would rest and be able to sleep. And then, several hours later, another group of volunteers would come in and engage that same touch therapy with these children. Now, it was in that simple touch that became a powerful factor 
in the growth and development of these children. Now, it makes sense when you think about it. You know, the first few months of our life, when we are in our mother's womb, we are swaddled. We are in a very close confinement. And as children, we, you could say, bounce against our mother, the walls of our mother's womb, and we feel a sense of security. And therefore, we are able to grow and develop in the womb of our mother so that within nine months, we're able to be born into this world. Well, the same thing holds true with this touch therapy, and research supports it, that a touch combined with massage has positive effects in the growth and development of children. Children that receive this touch therapy, they gain more weight, they sleep better, and they have stronger immune systems than children that do not have this type of touch therapy. Now, how is that, you say? Well, this touch therapy triggers many physiological changes that help the infants be able to develop and grow. I'll give you some examples. Just a simple massage stimulates nerves in the brain to facilitate food absorption for the infant so the infant is able to gain weight rather easily. More to it, through a simple touch, it lowers the level of stress hormones and improves the child's immune system. And so, these children that receive touch therapy, they grow and develop in a positive way. Consequently, from this, they benefit dramatically and their lives are improved. Now, this is a great segue into the gospel. You could say, in the gospel that we have for this weekend, Jesus engages in his own type of touch therapy. He dramatically improves the lives of the people in the stories. Now, Mark, the author of these stories, is masterful in the way he blends these two stories together. Now, granted, there are two separate stories, but Mark is telling us that they have to be read together for a specific purpose, and we'll realize that at the very end. Now, notice, notice how it begins. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, my daughter's at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands upon her, that she may get well and live. The woman with the hemorrhages, she says to herself, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Now, in both instances, these are people that have faith. They know Jesus. They know who he is. They truly believe in him. And they have the faith and the belief that Jesus can cure them. That's why they go to him. That's the first thing that we can take from this. These are people of faith, and their faith leads them to seek out Christ. Now, this woman with the hemorrhages, she touches Jesus. And notice Jesus' reaction. It says, Jesus was aware at once that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? Now, this is interesting. Now, Jesus really knows who touched him, and he knows that this woman has been healed because of that. But he's not asking who touched it to find out who the woman was. He's doing it for another purpose. And again, we'll find that out a little bit later. Now, Jesus, he's around this huge crowd with his other apostles. We have probably experienced these similar circumstances, maybe at a baseball game, maybe at a parade or a festival. 
You know, big crowds of people are all around us. We're jostled back and forth because of the crowd. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. That's why the apostles don't understand Jesus. It says, the disciples said to him, you see how the crowd was pressing upon you, and yet you ask, who touched me? Now, Jesus persists, and there's a reason why. He keeps looking for this woman. Now, this woman realizes this. She's afraid, maybe even embarrassed, and she kneels down before Jesus and tells Jesus what she's done. Notice Jesus' response. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, why is this important? Well, it's because of where this woman is. This woman kneels right before Jesus. His apostles around Jesus. They see this woman, and Jesus publicly proclaims that this woman has great faith. Now, why is this important? Well, remember the gospel for last weekend. Remember Jesus gets in the boat with the other apostles? They go out to sea. They encounter a storm. The apostles are immediately terrified. Jesus is asleep. The apostles wake up Jesus and they say, Lord, do you not care that we are about to perish? Jesus calms the storm and then he says what to them? Do you not yet have faith? Well, the apostles' faith is tenuous at best. It's very weak. Well, now Jesus is trying to teach the apostles, show them, you could say, what genuine and authentic faith looks like. It looks like this woman kneeling before him. You know, picture that. This woman kneeling before Jesus, the apostles around him, and Jesus pointing to this woman and telling the apostles, do you know what faith looks like? It looks exactly like that. This woman. Now, Jesus cures the woman and continues his way to this house where this little girl is ill. Now, again, compare and contrast faith versus people who don't have faith. The synagogue official does have faith. He knows Jesus, he knows he can cure his daughter, and he believes he can. But the people in the household don't. That's why Jesus, when he enters the house, he tells the people who are crying, this girl is not dead, she's asleep. And he noticed, it says the people ridiculed Jesus. They made fun of him sarcastically. Now, Jesus takes his apostles with him into the room with this girl, as well as the father and the mother. Again, he's trying to show the apostles what faith looks like. He touches the girl and heals her. And then just picture in your mind, the apostles, they're stunned by this healing touch. But more importantly, Jesus is kind of pointing at the synagogue official, the father, and saying to the apostles, again, here is what genuine and authentic faith looks like. It's a powerful lesson for the apostles and also for us. And faith, as well as the ability and the power of touch. Now, I would argue we encounter that therapy of touch ourselves every time we come to Mass. Every time we come to Mass, we are touched by Christ and we heal. We are strengthened and renewed because of that. And yet, it first starts with faith. Faith leads us to Mass. If we didn't have faith, we wouldn't be in church on a Sunday morning. No, we'd be doing something else. But instead, we have faith, and that faith leads us to church every weekend because we know through faith we are going to encounter the risen Christ. First, 
through Scripture, and second, through the Eucharist. And so, by faith, just like this synagogue official and this woman with the hemorrhage, we are led to Christ. And in doing so, now we experience the touch, the beautiful touch and the powerful touch of Christ. And just like those premature babies in the neonatal intensive care unit that grow and develop from that human touch, so do we. Christ touches us, first and foremost, when the scriptures are read. He touches our mind. He opens up our minds so that we can come and understand the scriptures. Then Christ touches us in the most powerful way, in the Eucharist. We come forward for communion, and God touches our hand with the body of Christ, and he touches our lips with the blood of Christ. And in doing so, we are healed, renewed, and strengthened. I would argue, we, when we leave church at the end of Mass, we are stronger, we are renewed, we are healed in our faith, more so than when we first entered the church to begin Mass. Why? Because of that healing touch, that strengthening and renewing touch of Jesus Christ that we receive at Mass. That's why it is so, so important for us to come to Mass every week to receive that healing and strengthening touch, just like that woman and the young girl did in the Gospel, just like those premature babies do in the neonatal intensive care unit. They all grow and develop, and so too do we, spiritually. We need that touch every week so that we can leave church stronger people, stronger in our faith, stronger in our spiritual life because of what we receive. Faith that has led us to Christ and the touch of Jesus that has strengthened us. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.